Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hi, friends. I've questioned whether to put an episode out this week. Given what's going on in the United States and around the world, it does not feel appropriate for me, a white woman, to be telling my story, which is what was scheduled. So instead, I'm dedicating this week's episode to hearing the stories and lifting the voices of women of color. First, we'll hear a handful of excerpts from interviews with Black women and non-binary folks from previous Good Girls Talk About Sex podcast episodes. Then in the second half, I'll introduce you to some female podcasters of color who I think you might really enjoy. So let's get started with this excerpt from my conversation with Jazz in the episode, Vibrators Changed My Life. Do you remember the first time you masturbated? Mm-hmm. Very vividly, because I was like almost 14 years old. So it wasn't, uh, I wasn't like a little, a little person. I was just a, a minor tween. I guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, that had a lot to do with David Bowie. <laughs> 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 a particular movie um, that all my friends who uh, still connected with me from that time know which movie that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of had a special moment by myself. And from there on out, I started to get really interested in repeating the experience because I more or less passed out. Like I climaxed and then was just not there. So it was really intense for you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was really kind of just following sensation. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing or really like I wasn't thinking about it. I guess there's sort of like a whole parallel conversation about being embodied versus disembodied or um, disassociated. And I definitely am a person who has been disassociated on and off throughout my whole life. So it's kind of funky to think about my first time masturbating and how that was definitely at play, but perhaps in a positive way, you know? So can you talk a little bit more about that distinction that you just brought up about embodied, disembodied, dissociated? Well, I mean, I would do all manner of things without really feeling connected to my body or remembering that I had a body that I was inhabiting. Um, And that wasn't just because I was like nerdy and and reading a lot. It was because of a lot of uh, background in performing arts at a young age and just 
um, being told how to move my body, being handled by people and just sort of accepting it blanketly and moving through those experiences. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, to clarify, I would say that like the positive disassociation, I think I would more readily associate with ecstatic states, which is what I believe happened to me um, the first time I masturbated. When it comes to the performing arts and how they deal with people under the age of 18, I have a lot of criticism slash critique, and I don't think it was a good thing, but uh, it's also how my body learned to survive and manage a lot of complex dynamics. So I don't want to like shame disassociation as a subject or the performing arts uh, well, I am curious to, like, can you give us a specific scenario where you experienced this? Because I think this will be a really unfamiliar conversation for a lot of people. Sure. And I mean, like, we can also just throw in the my favorite elephant in the room, which is like anti-blackness. And that would be like my gigantic critique of theater, um, particularly like how you bring up people of color in a theater tradition um, that is inherently Eurocentric, but to just bring it home um, with a really like a moment that has stuck with me forever. I had a teacher in my senior year at LaGuardia, the performing arts high school where I studied drama and I was in the senior play along with my buds playing, you know, one of five black roles in a 20 cast, you know, production. And, um, I had a teacher say in a rehearsal in front of the whole class that I should both wear black because I'm black because we were doing a costume lighting check and also that I should sound more black. Mm. They're obviously wildly inappropriate and inaccurate things to say to a human being. And instead of, you know, calling him out on it uh, or just having any kind of reaction I just stood there. Mm. Um, and that's a type of disassociation. That's a freeze, maybe response, you know, and things like that would happen all the time. Worse things would happen to uh, darker skinned folks in the industry. My, my peers, you know, like I also folks are listening. I'm a light skinned mixed race person. And so my experience is never going to be as effed up as a darker skinned person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we're talking about things like dissociation and pleasure embodiment where I sit in the world of blackness and where others uh, like me sit are just really never not there. It's Mm -hmm. always part of the experience and influencing the situation. Next up is Tanisha from the episode. I had to get drunk to have sex. have masturbated like probably majority of my life at this point mm-hmm. um, and is that a pleasurable experience for you do you enjoy masturbation so I enjoy it um like I think it's pleasurable but I also have this like guilt about it mm-hmm. um and uh, the guilt come from some cut comes from a couple of places. One part is from my religious background. Like I'm Christian and like, you know, you're not supposed to masturbate. You're not supposed to have really any premarital sexual thoughts or actions or anything of that nature. So there's guilt from that part, but there's also just this guilt 
um, where it was not something that was talked about or welcomed in my house. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of hid it. Mm-hmm. Um, so guilt from like hiding it from religious and just from familial or societal expectations. It sounds like you're having pleasure now during sex. Yes. Yay! So, <laughs> when we were talking early, I was like, wow, I actually don't even think I orgasmed before. I mean, not from a partner yeah. before this guy. And now like that is so his priority is like to make me orgasm. Awesome. Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't always like not 100% of the time. But he kind of gets upset when I don't. <laughs> it's totally okay, totally normal to not orgasm every time. Yeah, but I mean, he's happy when I'm happy in that way. And yeah, I think there's still certainly some things that I am working through on the sexual side. But like, sometimes I have to catch myself. Like, I'll say, I don't want to orgasm, you know, and like, I'll shut my body down. Um, And so I'm still trying to figure out like what what's going on there. But I have noticed like when I just let go. Yeah, I have a great time, but it does. Sometimes I don't want to. And I'm not sure exactly what's that what that is related to. Here's Shayna from the episode, It Was Never, I'm Ready, So Let's Do This. My first, not my first time having sex, but my first sexual experience was with a guy I was not in a relationship with, but was dating uh, over an extended period of time my freshman year in high school. And he used to come over to my house after school. I lived two blocks away. And I would look out the window and see him like pulling up along the fence at the side of the house. And that's how I would know he was coming over. And he, we would make out for like a hundred years. <laughs> and we never took our clothes off, you know, we never would just make out. And so I think, I think of that as my first sexual experience. We never had sex. Mm-hmm. How old were you? I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked him and he stopped coming over one day. I mean, we never had a conversation about what was happening between us or whatever. He stopped coming over one day and he, he was a white guy and he stopped, start, stopped coming over. And the next thing I knew he had a girlfriend who was like one of the golden girls, this not mm-hmm. in the sense of the show, but like the, one of the beautiful <laughs> white girls in the school. Yeah. Um, so that taught me two things. One, it reinforced that you have to be a certain kind of girl to be treated with value by a man. Um, And two, that white men were going to choose white women over me. Oh. And that I was going to be a secret and they were going to be public. And has that, have you experienced that in later relationships? I never had any other relationships with white men after that. Oh. And I never really connected that to him. Um, I have a, I have this, I guess there's no better word for it than hang up that I feel like 
having any sort of sexual interaction with a white man feels like I'm indulging his like slave shack fantasy, mm. which could be the furthest thing from the truth or it could be real. I don't know, but I can't relax. Yeah. Um, and I, I find it very difficult to, even though I have, I've had a good friend who was a white man who I would have loved to have been in a relationship with and I couldn't make myself do it. So it doesn't necessarily preclude um, attraction to a white man, Mm -hmm. but it does preclude involvement with a white man. Yeah, I can't imagine, again, this is my shit, (laughs) this is my hang up, but I can't imagine, it's hard for me to imagine being truly partnered by a white man, and I wonder if that's because I've never seen it, you know, that wasn't my family structure, or because of some of those early experiences. This excerpt is from last week's episode with Maya. The worse I felt, the more sex I had. You've told me that you're mixed race, black and white. Um, You are a very light-skinned woman. I've talked to other black women who have had real challenges with feeling fetishized, um, by white men, or having real difficulty in dating based on their skin color. And I'm curious about what your experience has been with that, if any. Um, no, I've actually never um, had sex with a white guy before. As I grew older, I realized that black men is where it's at. <laughs> um <laughs> Like, I mean, I grew up in a, in a white suburb and that's why, like, I was too tall. I was too big. I like I, white men would look at me and say, I'm fat. Black men are like, Ooh, she thick. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't feel I was fetishized by white people. I feel I was disregarded by white men. Um, but black men like loved my body or my size. And I assume that that is how your husband treats you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he loves my body. (laughs) What happens next? I dated a Muslim boy. We thought that we were going to marry each other. That's kind of like how we talked to each other. We were both Muslim, but we were the same type of Muslim, meaning we weren't (laughs) practicing and we just, we were very Americanized culturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he had severe depression. I had severe depression and it just didn't, it just didn't work. And he ended up breaking up with me because he said that I'm too big for him and he's five, six I'm six foot. <laughs> so we were, very, we were a very awkward pair. We looked awkward together, but like, that's what I loved about us. I thought that he didn't care. And I, I love fucking with people's, um, ideas of what's normal. <laughs> and yeah. the fact that we were together was, it just made people uncomfortable. And I love that. <laughs> And so part of me is like, did I really love him? Or I liked the idea of how different we were together. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my situation. 
That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There's no single answer that's right for everyone. So I'm going to help you discover what's right for you and we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling intimate life and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free, no obligation discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Finally, let's revisit one of my favorite conversations of all time with Michelle in a throbbing in my nether regions. You talked about sort of running away from the idea of sex and pleasure. At what point did you allow that to become part of your life? Um, when I went to college, <laughs> like it just seemed like everybody was doing it. And I barely, I didn't even really have a boyfriend. I had this little dorky thing when I was in eighth (laughs) grade. And and like, we both turned out gay. And it was just like, it it was so like geeky or whatever. I hadn't kissed anybody until I went to college. Um, And then that happened my freshman year. And it was just like, well, I'm kind of here. And there's some cute guys here. Was really intimidated by the girls. But I was like, there's some, there's some cute guys here and they seem to be interested. So why not try something? And uh-huh. I just like I was freaked the hell out and, and scared. But it was just like, there's some cute dudes here. So and like one guy in particular that I ended up having a crush on and, and messing around with all throughout college. Um, and I think that kind of was what opened me up to the idea of it. To the idea of pleasure? Yes. Okay. Of, you know, doing anything kind of sexually. I let it be known that I had a crush on him mm-hmm. and um, I was open to the idea of messing around with him. <laughs> and I mean, he's a teenage guy. Here's a girl who is decent looking and I had a really great body back then. Uh huh. It's just like, sure, why not? And she's open to giving me oral sex let's go. So that was, so that was kind of how that 
Yeah. So was that your first sort of sexual entree was uh, giving him oral sex? Yes. And did you enjoy it? It's interesting. The act itself, because I kind of have a an oral fixation, um, uh-huh. you know, so so that helped. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was cool because I enjoyed the power of it. Honestly, I'm not really a fluids person. So that part kind of grossed me out. I told him there's never going to be a time where I'm going to be on my knees in front of you. If you want me to do this, you need to lay on the table or lay down or something. But uh-huh. I'm not going to be on my knees and you standing over me. And so I, and he did it because he wanted it. So it's like, I recognize this ability to get him to do certain things with that being on the horizon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I can't say that it was anything that I was like, oh my God, this is so good. This tastes so great. It smells (laughs) like, you know, there was nothing like that, but I enjoyed the power dynamic of it. And, you know, I really liked him and I wanted him more in different ways. And I wanted a relationship with him and stuff. And I think um, a young me was like, that's kind of a way to be close to him because he was very noncommittal because he had a lot of girls coming Uh, at it. Yeah. So that was a way for me to kind of get some closeness with him. Um, It wasn't ultimately what I wanted in terms of the amount of closeness and a relationship and all of that. But it was something, I think. Yeah. And so was there reciprocity? Did he go down on you? Ah, no. (laughs) Like I I, um, first, oh gosh, like young, young black dudes back then. (laughs) (laughs) I am glad because I'm a huge, you know, fan of hip hop and stuff. And that's such a big thing. And Caribbean music and stuff is not going down on no woman and blah, blah, blah. But that's, they've changed. Thankfully, uh-huh. not so much in, in like reggae and stuff, but in hip hop, yeah, like you got dudes saying this stuff. So there's more, I think, role models for them. It's not so taboo, but back then that was not happening. So that is like, fascinating. Yeah, so he would like, you know, touch me or whatever, um, like with his hands, like there'd be fingering and stuff like that. But that was about as far as it would go between us. Yeah, but not. Oh God, no. You know, I met this, this guy and we chatted and stuff and I went to go visit him. And that was the first time anyone had gone down on me. So it's so like dorky, but like when he went, <laughs> when he went down on me, my eyes rolled in the back of my head. Uh-huh. And I think I kind of just almost kind of blacked out. I had never felt anything like that. And like he wanted to do it. And I was like, but you don't have to. Like, why do you, you want to do this? And so, but he wanted to do, like, that was his thing. And he actually wasn't into receiving it himself because yeah. I was like, this is a thing I know how to do. I've heard I'm pretty good at it. So I'd like to do that on you. And it just wasn't his thing. And I remember thinking, is are, like, is he normal? Like, I thought typical huh. guys like that kind of thing. And I wanted to do it for him because he wanted to do it on me, but he didn't want it. So I didn't do it. And I remember asking him, I said, and I was so embarrassed to ask him this, but somebody had to tell me the answer. I was like, am I still a virgin? Mm. Because I didn't know how much he had done because I was that much out of my head. Yeah. 
I knew he was like going down on me orally, but I didn't know if anything else had happened. And so I was like, am I still a virgin? He was like, yeah, you're still a virgin. Mm. And so then like, you know, maybe a month or so later, he came up to visit me um, in school. And that was when we had full on sex and it was multiple sessions overnight. I remember whenever I tell folks that it, it was really good and I would tell them I was gay, they would be like, well, how can you be gay? You had a really good experience. And I'm like, that has nothing to do. What are you talking about? Totally separate issues. <laughs> right. But no, he was great. He was very sensitive. He was like, if this hurts too much, um, let me know. I'll stop. Um, and when it hurt, um, he asked me if I wanted him to stop. And I was like, nope, keep going. Keep going. And um, and he did. And he was just really, he was caring. He was kind. And I've often said, if I could, and this is so terrible, if I could remember what he looked like and his name, and I ever saw him again, I would give him the biggest hug because mm. I have heard so many horror stories. And he was very gentle. And he was very caring and concerned that I was having a good time and that he didn't push too far, you know, or anything like that. He was, he was amazing. I want to thank all of the women of color who have agreed to be interviewed on this podcast. I'll be honest, I'm still not hitting the mark of racial diversity that I think is necessary for this podcast. If you are a woman of color, and you're interested in having a safe and non-judgmental conversation about your sexual history, I'd love to hear from you. There's a link in the show notes where you can get in touch. And here's another place where, as a white woman, I am falling down. I have not been actively seeking out female podcasters of color to subscribe to in my podcast queue. So this week, I've done a lot of listening. I want to share with you some of my favorite finds, shows that embody the same ideals that are important to me, like deep contemplation, deep listening, and engaging conversations. I hope you'll consider subscribing to one or more of these shows, and also make an effort to incorporate more females of color in your listening choices. That's what I'm going to do. Links to all of the recommendations here are in the show notes. So first up is Nisha Frazier from Courage Hackers. These are short episodes that address really tangible topics like how you accept mediocrity in your life and when someone doesn't believe in your goals and dreams. Here's an excerpt from Nisha's first episode, A Consequence of Being the Strong One. For as long as I can remember, I have been the strong one, the bold one, the one who carried it all. I'm using air quotations as I say that. I proudly wore each and every one of those titles until I couldn't bear the weight of it anymore. It was a blessing and it was a curse, but it shaped my entire sense of self one way or the other. It evolved really from a coping mechanism as a coping mechanism as a shy kid who just experienced some situations that I didn't necessarily realize weren't normal, but I just knew I had to figure it out. I just had to get through it. It. Just kind of flash forwarding through that history, I think about how it protected me when my mom was, um, when she became an amputee and she just completely fell apart. It was exaggerated for sure when I moved thousands of miles away, away from family and friends for years when I joined the service. And it 
really protected me in so many ways when my brother who's currently incarcerated I felt like I lost him to the streets and now that I'm a working mom I think I just decided to keep it uh, keep it around and put that cape on and put the S on my chest as the strong one because those struggles are real and you just got to figure it out so for me being the strong one the pros and cons of being the strong one uh, meant that I, I really erred on the side of keeping it around for as long as I could. For one reason or the other, be it self-imposed or just my environment, I never really felt like I was in a place where I had permission to be vulnerable or weak. And I can speak to that over the entire trajectory of my life. As a result, I felt like I began to associate feeling emotionally vulnerable as being weak. And I wanted to avoid that ish like the plague. Brie Mitchell hosts the show Brown Girl Self-Care, where she talks about cultivating health and wellness habits that support listeners in improving their physical, spiritual, and emotional well-being. I especially appreciate her May 31st episode, When Brands Are Silent, We Stop Supporting. These are things that I've been doing this week, and they have just really helped me to kind of center in on what's important for me. Um, So the first thing that I want to say is, um, or the first tip is to take note of the brands that are silent right now. Take note of the brands that are in your inbox, or I should, let me back up. They're not silent. They're silent about black issues. You see the difference? They're not silent. They're just silent about the black community silent about black people silent about how we're being senseless senselessly murdered in the street that's the kind of silence i'm talking about take note of those brands and unfollow them don't support them take them out of your inbox i read a good quote her name is karen kenny And her quote is, your stand is more important than your brand. She is a podcaster, apparently. Um, Again, I have no idea. I think it was mentioned in my suggestions on Facebook or something like that. But um, yeah, so her one of her quotes is, your stand is more important than your brand. And that to me speaks volumes. Because obviously... People in business, I I have no beef with anyone in business that is out there trying to get their coins right now. I get it. We have to eat. We we have things to do. We need money or these these businesses, I should say, you know, they have employees. They have, I'm sure, insurance to pay and building fees and and and, you know, inventory they have to buy. And, you know, all all those things. I, I get it. I get it. Okay, I don't have no problem with anybody out there making money right now. I get it. But what I do have a problem with is when you can continue to exploit black people or have your hand out in my inbox every other day or sometimes several times a day, which is crazy. um, But then have absolutely nothing to say. To anything that matters to me as a black woman, nothing Nothing. Crickets chirping. Nothing. And it's not even a fact that you have to be like front and center on every single black issue. But it's like you never have anything to say. 
you never have anything to say. I adore this next show, so-called Oreos, because it embodies the vibe of a slumber party that I always imagine when talking with women about their sex lives. Here are Kia, Janae, Rachel, and Amari, four friends who identify as Oreos. Welcome to the so-called Oreos podcast, a podcast where Kia, Amari, Rachel, and Janae discuss all the awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo. Trying to mind my business and be black, that's basically about it. Through intimate conversation and candid interviews, we discuss everything from quote-unquote talking white you talk the way, which I guess is supposed to be like you talk proper, and I usually think black people sound ghetto and uneducated. That's yeah, how that's I perceive when like you say too. you talk so what, white. You, mean you don't speak Ubonics? Traveling while black, it opened my eyes to a lot of just the small privileges Americans have, and then it also opened my eyes to, as a person of color, how difficult it is may be to go to another country. It was just a lot of blatant racism. Dating as a black woman. There's just something about the black woman who just really wants to support and see the black man thrive. And even if I'm not in a relationship with a black man, I'm still like... Gonna root for them. I'm still rooting for I'm always gonna root for you. I'm always. And a whole lot more. I just love being black. So join us every other Tuesday for intellectual and funny conversations that will make you embrace your inner Oreo. I'm going to light your shit on fire. That's I'm going to tell your mama. <laughs> What's up? What, what, what? what if it's Roberta, yo, son cheated on me. But you know some mama be like, well, that's what men do, so why are you so Exactly. No. Old-timey bullshit. Not, I ain't that, having it. That's not okay. The Way Through with Raven Delena goes beyond living your hashtag best life by processing your experiences as a way to learn, grow, and become more of yourself. So let's listen in as she introduces herself in her very first episode. Maya Angelou, Nikki Giovanni, Toni Morrison, Sonia Sanchez. These were my childhood friends. They helped me to find my way through, and they brought me to this place in my life, in my career, where the thing I'm most passionate about is helping you find your way through, too. So I'm starting a podcast, and in this podcast, I'm going to share my stories of when I felt less than phenomenal and how I made my way through. We'll talk about the values and belief systems that have gotten in my way and how I'm breaking them down. I used to feel really alone and isolated by the things that life brought my way. But coming into 2020, I've learned a very valuable lesson, which is I'm not that special. These experiences that I've had, they're more than common. You and me, we're in this together. And so I want to talk about it. We'll talk about very practical ways that you can process your own life experiences 
as a way to learn and grow and become a little more of your own phenomenal self. We've all seen the Instagram memes that encourage us to live our hashtag best life, but they rarely tell us how. And that's what I want to explore here. So I'll offer some tangible tools and practical resources to help you find the way through. To recap, the voices you just heard were Nisha Frazier from Courage Hackers, Bree Mitchell from Brown Girl Self-Care, Kia, Janae, Rachel, and Amari from So-Called Oreos, and Raven Delena from The Way Through. There are a couple other shows I want to include, but I wasn't able to connect with the creators before publication time to get permission to use their audio, so I'm going to give you a verbal recommendation instead. Evian Whitney hosts the show The Sexually Liberated Woman. And since you're all here to talk about sex already, I'm guessing you're going to love her conversations. Her May 13 episode, Shame-Free Masturbation, is a great place to start. Sarah and Misasha of Dear White Women describe themselves as two wickedly smart, funny, compassionate, and visionary women. And after listening, I have to agree. They're having conversations on things like the school-to-prison pipeline, what happens when you're sick and poor, and their May 20th episode, The Hard Conversations You Need to Have with Your Kids, is a great place to start listening. Links to all of the highlighted episodes are in the show notes. Before I go, I want to offer this. If you are a person of color, first and foremost, I hope that you and your loved ones are safe. I wish you a space of mental, emotional, and spiritual peace. And I know that we have a lot of work to do to get there. If you are a white person, or as a friend on Facebook said, a person without color, I hope that you're thinking about how to support and lift the voices of color in your community, not by speaking for them, but by handing the microphone to them. I hope that you're working to create a world where people of color can experience mental, emotional, and spiritual peace, because every person in this world richly deserves it. That's all for today. Take care.